Off a screen, Curry left side. Dribbling on Gobert. Backs him up, spins him around. He's got him in the wash. Cycle goes in and flips in the driving layup. Going reverse left to right. Now you see why Gobert likes to stay in the paint. <laughs> That's why you see why Gobert likes to stay on his feet is more like it. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Seku Smith in Atlanta here for the Hangtime Podcast. My main man, Lang Whitaker, in Yo, – where are you, by the way? New York right now. You're in New York. Okay. Where are you headed? In, uh, tomorrow I'm going to Washington, D.C. for games three and four of that series. Right. Um, You're headed somewhere too, right? Yes, I'm going to Houston um, right. later this week. Me and Fran are going to tear up the town – and, uh, <laughs> what? Why you left? Don't don't volunteer to use your GPS if you guys go anywhere. Because <laughs> in New Orleans, he threatened to. He almost threw my phone out the window in right. his car at All Star. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, Hangtime Podcast coming at you as always here from headquarters. Lang, we I, I can't believe we've ignored these guys as long as we have, and there's so many storylines in the playoffs. Obviously, that we'll get to today. We'll also talk with our main man John Schumann run down the Schumann stat and his NBA trivia but we we've ignored foolishly I would say um, the Golden State Warriors I don't know if it's we're just taking them for granted and assuming we're going to be talking about them deep into June like we have the past couple years or what but we haven't talked about them we haven't discussed their season what's going on with them their playoff run that they're in the midst of right now so we're going to fix all that today with one of our favorite guys, one of the oldest friends of the program here, Marcus Thompson of the uh, Mercury News, Bay Area News Group, and the author of Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Steph Curry. We'll get into it with Marcus, see if he can't uh, reimburse me for that rental car my <laughs> got towed years ago in San Francisco, but that's another story. But let's, let's, get, let's get Marcus on here and talk a little Warriors, man, and catch up on what's going on in the Bay Area. Distinguished author, the man who is going to buy us lunch when we see him during the finals. I thought you were into him for that, for getting your rental car towed. You're so Man, mad that about is that. Lo- that is a one of the oldest and best stories of my NBA <laughs> life. <laughs> Sir Marcus, what's up, man? What's happening? What's up, man? I, I feel like I feel like I owe you like a few lunches. <laughs> I mean, really, it was kind of your fault, but I'm just gonna go ahead and take that on the end. No, it, my it was my fault that the lady at the window at the impound lot treated us like garbage because I had a bad attitude. She had a bad attitude. I think she was ready to get off work. And I knew we had to get across that bridge to the game in time. So, um, And you was Britt McHenry before Britt McHenry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I w- listen, I wish we'd have had cell phone video of that day. That would have been some classic footage to have uh, years later, man. But, look, this I got to tell you, this book, Golden, it's it's – it's fantastic. I was I was reading it and wrestling with it because you did something different in this book that, you know, I know when guys write books, they write them in a real chronological sequence. You know, this happened then, this happened next, this happened. You went back and forth and weaved this story throughout the course of this book in a way that I think is, is really unique that I haven't seen a lot in these kinds of books. Tell it. Tell everybody the genesis of the idea and why you wrote it the way you did. Because, like I said, I think it was written beautifully. So the 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 you know the inspirational, heartwarming genesis was that you know I was covering a game and I thought about all the nine year olds across the land and how how they could be inspired by Steph, and I decided to put pen to paper and mm-hmm. and then something happened. Right, that that's the whole inspirational speech. The, the truth is, somebody <laughs> was like, "Man, I pay." You. I'll pay you to write a book, and I was like, "Let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that was the literal genesis. Like, yeah. hey, 
what we want to set for everybody to pay for. Yeah, because I mean, now, this... part part of the structure though was was like by necessity because I only had six months to write it, mm-hmm. and that was during the playoff run. Right. So it was supposed to be kind of this chronological look at Steph Curry and the Warriors' magical season, and I was mm-hmm. going to cover from championship to championship. Right. But then Kyrie started hating, and <laughs> we had to change the plan. Right. And so after that, I just decided, like, how do we explain how all this happened? Because it was so sudden and so fast. And instead of, like, taking people back through a story that they might be familiar with already, mm-hmm. I'd say, let's, what, let's, let's uncover the elements that kind of created the perfect storm to make this happen. So for me, that was that was better. When you put the equation together, it all makes up Steph instead of saying, this all began in 2009. Right, right, right. No, I, I like that. I like the way you did that. Well, when did you, Marcus, being on the beat when he came into the league and, and having a chance to watch him, you know, really from day one in the NBA, when, when did you know that not only that he was going to be good, but that he was, that something special was happening here? Man, I knew from day one. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I call. I got a column somewhere and some microfilm that said he was going to be a two-time MVP <laughs> on, the, on the day of the draft. <laughs> I'm just lying. I was the dude who didn't believe in him. Like I, I, I don't believe in mid-major dudes generally. Like right. you average like 20, 28, and you play for a school nobody's ever heard of. I'm like, of course you average 28. So it wasn't. I didn't think he was like good until the second half of, like, his rookie season when the Warriors were, like, trash and the season was over and Monte was hurt and Don Nelson was like, man, it's your team, Steph. Go go ahead. And he was with a bunch of D-League dudes, you know, Anthony Tolliver, Mikey Moore, C.J. Watson, Chris Hunter, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of heck of random players. And man, he was out there balling. And I was like, yo, this kid is good. Uh, and but I didn't think he would be great until those those tw- the 2012 playoffs when he dropped 20 and a quarter. And I remember before that series, uh, Ty Lawson. Everybody was like, "Man, Ty Lawson is better. Ty Lawson is better." At the end of that series, like nobody was saying that. Like it was so obvious who the best player in that series was. So at that point, I was like, "Okay, this this dude is legit." One of the cool things in the book. Lang and and Marcus is and, and it's kind of weaved throughout. You know, it's it's at the very beginning, Marcus, and really on you know in the epilogue in the very final pages of the book, you talk about Steph's kind of ambivalence towards his own greatness, like how he's still kind of always out to make sure he's putting the stamp on that in his own subtle way. Is he one of those guys to you that that reminds you of one of those guys who's always in the process of trying to show whether it's to himself or or his critics or whoever, that he belongs because he wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He wasn't a guy who was fast-tracked for NBA success, you know, from the time he was 10, 12 years old. Absolutely. Uh, And I didn't even realize it until he got all of this stuff and he still had a chip on his shoulder. (laughs) I'm like, man, dude, like you two-time MVP. But I think he realizes that like he got here because of that. And he and he he doesn't want to lose it. But Steph is one of those dudes, man. He's like he, he I know he looks all he looks all friendly and nice, but he really has like a killer drive and he's got an I you know, an I'll show you type of mindset. That's why he's doing that, right? That's why he's like got Gobert spinning like a drunk Jim Carrey <laughs> last night. Because 
he wants to create those moments for all the people who doubted him. Right. Because he's not going to dunk on you, right? He's not going to come drive baseline and just yam on anybody. But he's got to figure out a way to pump fear in people, and, and that's how he does it because he's been going through this since he was eight years old. Like, can you imagine how little Steph looked at eight? <laughs> Right? Like it's stepping on the court talking about what I got next. Man, get your little butt out of here is probably what everybody said. Marcus, earlier this I mean we you know, clearly the last two years Steph was incredible and then earlier this season it seemed like I don't know, it seemed like the like the mojo wasn't there. Um and then, you know, when Durant went out, it kind of maybe he re refound it or something clicked again. I don't know. What what was your take just watching him this season? And, and maybe it was just the standard was so high from the last two years? I think it was a little bit of the standard was high, but I think also Steph kind of neutered himself. Hmm. Uh, one, one of the things that's been like like a flaw in a weird way is he's he's too unselfish. Uh, even like in the book, I talk about how his coach had to give him a shot minimum. They tried to force him to take five shots a quarter because he just wouldn't shoot because he didn't want to feel like a ball hawk. And I think when Durant came, he was so bent on proving that he, you know, that it's not a problem, that he's willing to sacrifice. I think he got kind of lost. And I think Steve Kerr and the rest of his teammates were so into making sure Durant was happy about his major decisions that they kind of got forgot about Steph uh, and that, you know, he was just a decoy in many ways. He wasn't aggressive. He wasn't, like, trying to break through his ankles and create vines and memes. He was just, you know, kind of being a threat, so to speak. And Christmas Day, when he had 11 points and finished the game on the bench, like, and he came out and said, man, I got to get more than 11 shots. I've never heard Steph say stuff like that publicly. But that was him kind of – everybody kind of realized – this doesn't work with Steph as the nice uh, ball screening decoy who's stuck away in a corner. Yeah. Like he's got to be a beast in order for all of these other players to work. Like he was still averaging twenty five, but the point is, is Draymond Green as good? Is Clay Thompson as good? And, and is that bench or all these other second unit guys are they as good with Steph as a decoy, or is they as good with Steph said, "I'm about to break this defense down." And, and create out of that. And so I think they had to figure that out. And, of course, obviously that's easier to do without Durant because without Durant, there's no question who should be handling the ball and kind of making the play. So I think they still got to figure that out too, by the way. I think – I don't think it's a, it's down to a science yet, the seesaw between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I think they've got to figure – they may not figure it out this year. And the, the interesting part – is it really won't be tested until they play somebody who could beat them. Yeah. <laughs> so they might learn live how far along they are against the San Antonio, and will it hurt them? Yeah. Or Houston or whoever. Marcus Thompson uh, joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Marcus, you, you're around this team. You've been around this team for so long. So much going on right now with Steve Kerr and his health and availability. What's, what's your take on, on what's going down with him and whether or not he'll be able to, to be on the bench for this playoff run? And, and long-term, what, what's the projection for Steve Kerr with this team? I mean, the truth is, man, I, if he came back, I'd be surprised. Hmm. Uh, I, it's, really like, it's really like sad when you think about it because Steve is such a good dude, but like his whole existence has been – like just like overwhelming in the last 
what, two years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had the back surgery in July 2015 and came out of the back surgery like worse. And they found out his spine was mixed and spinal fluid was leaking in. So basically the prognosis was there's nothing you can do except kind of wait it out and kind of let your system recover. From the, from what I was told, it's like having put sugar in your engine. Wow. Right? Like it's like. It just messes up everything, and it really had an impact on his brain. So he's getting these headaches and nauseousness. And so it's like, all right, you wait a year, you just got to fight through it, suffer through it. And all of the uh, the dialogue around it is like, yeah, after time, you just start feeling normal again. So he gets like a year and a half down the road, and it gets worse. So right when he should be coming out, all of a sudden he has an episode where it's worse. And that's the part that kind of made everybody say, like, hold on. So I think now it's not to a point where I think we're past the point where it's like, let's get Steve to a, to 70% so he can get on the bench again or to 50% because he hasn't been 100% in a long time. Yeah. He'd have tried everything, like yoga, weed, like excedrin, <laughs> like all that, just to get functional. And now it's just like, man, they need to fix this so it's not an issue anymore. And I, I don't I don't see how that can be answered by by June, like by the end yeah. of June, because they had a year and a half to answer it, and they didn't. Yeah. So whatever the answer is, I don't think it's out there yet, and I think they're trying to find it. And I don't think Bob Myers is going to let him coach because that dude is touched. Like right. you talk to you talk to Bob Myers about Steve, you know how like you know how like when you about to cry, your nose start burning. Like he had that look when oh, I wow. talked to him. Right. Like you know, like like they are friends, and it hurts him to see Steve Kerr like this. Yeah. So, I think even if Kerr is like, man, I can do it. I'm ready. Bob is like, uh, no, I want you to have your life back. Right. So I'd right. be I'd be shocked if he came back. Of course, that means he'll be back tomorrow. But <laughs> I'll I'll really be shocked if he came back in these playoffs. Yeah, Marcus, how does it affect them not having Kerr there? I mean, I know you know at this point in the NBA with with these teams, the substitutions and all that stuff, the, the assistant coaches know how that goes. But but what does Kerr bring that that Mike Brown or, or Ron Adams or those other guys don't have? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is the the kind of relationships and authoritative figure that he's developed over the years. Like you said, like a lot of the schemes and rotation patterns and substitutions and emphasis and even even down to the strategic like individual and team matchups. So these they've been to you know, they've done this for three straight years now. Right. So there's there they are PhD candidates in this stuff. <laughs> so what they're missing though, I think, is that look from Steve Kerr when Steph makes a dumb pass. <laughs> right, because right now the substitute teacher is in, and he hacking cool. <laughs> right? So Steve is the one who's like, "Are you kidding me, Steph?" Yeah. Steve is the one that's like Draymond. We don't want that shot. I think that's part of it. His ability to maybe kind of see a dude struggling and to go and say something to him. I know you. You, I, you remember that clip? I forgot who they were playing against, but the the TV caught it where he Steph is struggling shooting. And he goes over there, and he's, like, encouraging them. He's telling them, I know your shot is off, but look at your plus minus. You're helping us in everything you do. It's like that stuff that he's built in his three years here. These relationships that 
that says, hey, I know how to get Sean Livingston going. I know what to say to Iguodala. Uh, so, barring, you know, uh, you get to you get to Cleveland, you get to San Antonio, you get to Houston, and you find yourself in a in a dog fight, and you kind of need Andre. Here's what I need to say to you to get you going. I think that's where you really might miss Steve Kerr. Only problem is, will anybody push him to that point? Because so far, it doesn't look like anybody can. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's interesting. I I don't know. People have been asking me how valuable is a is an NBA coach at this stage of a season, and I'm like, it's not the X's and O's. It's not the whiteboard. Right. It's it's everything else. It's all of the management of of players and time. Um, one player that I'm always struck by on that Warriors roster, and is a two part question: What is Draymond's role at a time like this? And and when are you writing the book with Draymond? Because that, as much as I love reading about Steph, I would love to read more about Draymond. I mean, you talk about the most interesting dude in the league in terms of I, – I loved what he said about Barkley the other day and just how unabashed he is about sharing his views on basketball and everything else, man. What what kind of personality has Draymond been and, and kind of jolt for that organization has he been? Well, first off, and Lang, I know you know this, but like Sekou is Draymond. That's why you, that's why you like him so much. He's like the Michigan he version. Looking at that dude like he like, oh man, he just reminds me of me. <laughs> Y'all are terrible. But, but you know, uh first off, like Draymond is the life source of the Warriors. Like right. he's the dude that kinda gets them going. And I, I think I think to the point like he's even underrated at this point. I've never seen a dude just straight change a game on defense. Yeah. And not like because he blocked a couple shots, but because he's out there deboing people <laughs> and the other team is scared. Like right. he's literally on the court telling Mo Harkless, you scared. Like, oh, I got your heart now. <laughs> like what? Like if Mo Harkless don't turn around and fire on him, the series is over. <laughs> right? Because your teammates know you shook. Right. He know you shook. Like it's that type of stuff. And they're like, oh, we got these dudes because Draymond didn't bully somebody, right? So, look, trust me, I wrote the Steph Curry book first just so they could know I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to do the Draymond Green book, right? Right? Because uh, that needs to come with a with a with a DVD uh, <laughs> attached to the back, right? <laughs> Definitely a, a TMZ DVD. Follow to only problem is I think Draymond one of dudes who might want to write his own book. You know what I'm saying? You might be like, I got this. I want all that money. But you you ain't lying. That book, Steph Curry book, is uh, I think it's more it's an inspirational book. Like, yes. You'll read it. You'll see his work ethic. You know, Draymond book is the, is the turn book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, the, it's the lit book. You, yes. you, you might read that at the club. <laughs> ain't no question. Um. Last and lot and certainly not least, Kevin Durant is is weaved into Golden. He's very prominently figured in the book, and I thought it was really interesting the way you mentioned it. There was a few passages I highlighted, and you you talked about how there were some people in Steph's camp. As much as they recognized how important having a player like Durant would be, they weren't necessarily gung ho about him coming because that meant it would take away from Steph's profile, his game. And everything else. How do you think Durant and Steph have handled that dynamic just personally between them as men, as as professionals, as MVPs, and as guys who want the same thing, basically, whether it's in the team dynamic or not? They want to be the best of the best in, in their own way. How have they managed that relationship? 
you know, I didn't I didn't know. I always thought Durant was a cool guy, but getting to know him, like number one, he is a different dude. But like what they are pulling off is it's very admirable in the sense of like I will tell my young son, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like here's here's what you want from your kids because Kevin Durant has been completely humble. He's been uh, he's been very accommodating, you know. Like, and he could like he 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 could bounce after the end of this year, so he could be in there like, where's my purple skittles? <laughs> like, you know, I'll need to get it together. But he's been very accommodating. He even told Steph like, what Steph is struggling. Like you go be you. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. Go dominate like you've been doing. Don't change because I'm here. Uh, I think they're both just two unique guys, especially f- like when you consider the whole landscape of the NBA players we've covered. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've heard players like, "Man, that dude make twelve dollars more than me." <laughs> like I'm, I ain't playing until <laughs> until I pay for. And they're like both of them like go out of their way to kind of make sure neither one of them are a problem. So, like, the analogy that I see from them is they, they, these are the two type of dudes that, you know, how you open a door for somebody, they would never go in because they are both are insisting the other person goes, right? So they're just standing there like, no, you go, no, after you, because they're trying really hard to make sure the other knows, like, I don't have a problem. I think I think you couldn't just put any two players like this together. Like, right. it, it works because of them. Uh, and I think it will work because of them because they're both they're just different dudes. Like like they value the heartwarming stuff. Like for lack of a better term, right? Mm-hmm. Other cats want buckets and and clubs and money and all that. Them dudes like they like the brotherhood aspect. Right. They like clowning in the locker room. <laughs> you know, they like road trips and bond, you know that that's the stuff that they like. They like being a part of a city. And just going out like Durant might just get on Bart and just go out in the city. You know, they 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 think differently. I mean, he got a Tupac tattoo on the side, so right. <laughs> you know, you know, he, both of them think a little different than a typical NBA player. I think that's why it works because they are like that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's, like I said, there's so much good stuff coming out of the Bay Area. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you, Marcus, because we, we have a shared history in this league in terms of covering teams that were at one time downtrodden. <laughs> so to see to see a team move on up, so to speak, to see the Warriors go from an afterthought to a championship team and then see the guys that have been there for that ride, man, it's, you have a perspective that not a lot of people will be able to share. Um, in terms of seeing them go from ashes to you know to the to where they are now, man, it's it's awesome. The journey, you know, the work, the grind. I know you put in, man. Very proud of you and very happy for you. Continue great work. And like I said, I want that Draymond book. I want the early copy. Soon as this hot, soon as you get done with it, I want to get an advanced copy and read. It. Man, I'm bringing you with us on one of our wild goose chases, <laughs> so you can write the forward. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> And the first line will be, man, guess how drunk I got. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Marcus Thompson on the Hang Time Podcast, man. We appreciate it. We'll see you down the road. Thank you, brethren. I appreciate it. All right, sir. All right, Marcus. Marcus Thank Thompson, you. man, one of my favorites, one of my all-time faves. You know, and the book, again, is fantastic. Please check it out, Golden. You got to check this book out. It's Like I said, it's written in such a unique way where he's going back and forth laying, you know, movies, they try and they try and do the thing where it's this time lapse or they 
Right. They try and take you, you know, they do flashback scenes. This is kind of like parallel universe where one minute they're talking about Steph, you know, when he's younger. And then the next minute they're talking about the dynamic and how what went on when he was in high school is affecting what he's doing now. It's, it's really interesting. And there's some some nuggets in there like about the Charlotte Pro-Am and Anthony Morrow and some of the other guys who played there that watched Steph before he was on the big stage and before people knew, you know, Chef Curry and all this stuff, where if you were paying attention, you knew he had it in him. But because of the ankle issues and some other things that might have been in his way early in his career in Golden State, you weren't sure if he was going to ascend to this kind of stardom. So, right. that you know, and you've written a book, Lang. You know, it's, it's something about finding a tidbit in a, you know, in deep in the pages of a book that you didn't expect to come across that make it cool. And, uh, and Marcus has done that in that same vein. Um, really provided some some undercover information on a topic that's really out there for the public to see and made it entertaining. So uh, kudos to all you dudes writing books. I got Where's Joe Johnson? Maybe me and ISO Joe can write a book. <laughs> I got to find Josh Smith. I, I don't know if we can write. I, listen, I don't want to write children's books, but I also don't want to write stuff that only people over 40 can read. I need I need something that appeals to the masses. Josh Josh's book might be a little... Uh, might have a couple of uh, parental guidance messages about, on there. How about Joe Johnson, How to Live Forever? <laughs> That's a good title. Iso Joe, How to Play Ball and Get Old Man Buckets for the Rest of Eternity. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, great stuff from Marcus, obviously. Uh, we'll see him probably at some point here in the playoffs um, and get a chance to make sure he buys us lunch with all that big book money he's got. That's right. From one of our uh, oldest friends of the program, Lang and Marcus Thompson, to the trivia pest numbers guru <laughs> and smart guy we can't seem to get rid of, John Schumann with this week's Schumann's. Alan, what's up? Hey, man. Well, good, man. Hey, by the way, uh, quick, before we get started, I got a little handwritten note here. Um, it says, Dear Shoe, I'm the man, Isaiah Thomas. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Right, here's a question for you. What lineup, five-man lineup, has the best raw plus-minus in the playoffs so far? That means what team is out? What lineup has outscored its opponents by the most total points in the playoffs so far? Mm. What five-man group? Yep. I know so that Terry. Ro- I know Terry Rozier is like plus forty something. <laughs> right? It's not. He's not involved. He's not involved. No, he's in not involved. He has obviously, hasn't, hasn't played in in, a, in one lineup. Uh, consistently enough, to, okay. you know, he's he's a he's on bench units that get mixed and matched. Right, right. This, this lineup is a plus sixty one so far in the playoffs, which okay. is nineteen I, points better than any other. I'm lineup. guessing it's a Warriors lineup. No, I think it's the Wizards starting five. Is it? It is the Wizards oh, starting wow. five. Really? Because the other guys in the Wizards aren't much good. Well, yeah. yeah, even even in the in the in the Boston series, in the conference semifinals, the Wizards starters are a plus thirty two in twenty nine minutes. And the Wizards have lost their two games by a combined 22 points. So what does that It says your depth is garbage. (laughs) You remember back in November, uh, March and uh, Gortat said... said we got uh, no bench. (laughs) We got the worst bench in the league. Apparently he was right. You you could question his tact, you know, but uh, he wasn't wrong. Unbelievable. They got better better at the deadline with Bogdanovich, and and I thought they'd be okay, you know, because in the playoffs you shouldn't need more than eight guys. But uh, Oubre hasn't been good enough. Bogdanovich hasn't been – he's had his ups and downs. Scott Brooks is holding Trey Burke back. Won't let my boy in the game. Right. Mahimi's out. (laughs) He's a right. 
and Brandon Jennings is just out there doing I don't know what. Right. So bringing the Knicks to the conference semifinals is what Brandon Jennings is doing. <laughs> that Mahinmi injury has been killer for them because I mean they're Jason Smith's playing huge minutes yeah. for them and they don't have yeah. anything else. Shoot, I got a trivia question for you. What's that? Who is the only player I can look eye to eye who <laughs> bounced bounced his face off a floor and hit 53 points with new chicklets in, in Boston Celtics history? Dude, it shouldn't be hard to I get mean, that one. Let's just, I, I, I blame the Wizards defense. <laughs> they, they have nobody who can stay in front of Isaiah Thomas. It was, that, was last, that was amazing. He's, two, he's ridiculous last incredible. night. Incredible. Are you are you still adamant that he shouldn't have been an MVP candidate because he's so bad on the other end of the floor? It's tough. You know what? Like he, his numbers, his sort of on-off numbers mm-hmm. weren't as bad as the season went on. Like middle of the season, he was you know hurt. You know the defensive numbers were just terrible. Right. And even when you looked at like his the fourth quarter, like. Like he was score- he was leading the league in fourth quarter sto- scoring, yet the Celtics were a minus in the fourth quarter when he was on the floor. But that changed yeah. a little bit as the as the season went on. They became better. Uh, they improved defensively quite a bit actually after the uh, All Star break. Right. Um, right. So it's not as bad. And, and obviously in the playoffs he's been ridiculous, and and obviously his offense far outweighs um, you know the times that he gets flattened on screens, just gets <laughs> taken out of plays and stuff right. like that. So. Um, but that's been a offense. That's been a ridiculously good offensive series. I mean, yeah. the 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 Wizards. I tweeted last night. Like I've been tracking possessions. They've scored two hundred and thirty points on two hundred possessions through two games, which is ridiculously good offense. Which is it's offense that would lead the league basically. Um, and you know they've lost their zero and two. You know <laughs> the the neither of these teams is you know first team to get a stop basically wins these games. <laughs> And it's uh, it's not not your uh, your father's or your older brother's Eastern Conference anymore, I guess, because you know this is this is uh, Western Conference basketball, uh, you know, series between the Celtics and the Wizards. I love it. I love. I'm, I just like Isaiah. Uh, I like his game and his attitude and the way you know and the way he carries himself. Anyway, this unbelievable stretch he's had since the playoffs started only makes me you know. Like him more, um, the fact that he's been able to go out and perform the way he has. I got a trivia question for you, John. All right. The Warriors and the Cavs are, you know, on track. Or there's a chance we're going to see our third consecutive matchup in the finals um, for the first time. Before this recent run, when was the last time the Warriors won an NBA title? It was with Rick Barry, so it was '75. And who was born on this date in 1975? <laughs> John Schumann, happy Shoot. birthday, Shoe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dude, you know <laughs> you're getting... We're giving away my age. I was going to so, say, you know you're, you're getting ancient now, right? Facebook Facebook put I, it out there. It's been a couple of years now since I've been older than anybody, any player in the NBA. Which <laughs> yeah, I know. That's I weird when that happens. Who was it that retired that was the last guy? I forget. Maybe it was Nash. I think it was Nash. Nash was the last guy that was older than me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, you know, I'm older than Vince and... Paul Pierce, even so. Wow, dude, you, you're like I'm still playing. I'm still playing, though. I know, yeah. but you're a relic. Like you go play now, and the little <laughs> whippersnappers on the court probably give you the business. Like, watch out, old man. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you got planned for the birthday celebration? You gonna watch a little NBA basketball? Yes, I yes, mean, absolutely. 
what else is there to do? Yeah, uh, you could do worse things. I'm actually home for, for for the first time in a while. I'm home on my birthday, which is nice. I'll be mm-hmm. heading out to Toronto for three and four Caps Raptors on Friday. So looking forward to that. But it's nice to be home for for this day. Are those the last two games of that series, or do you think the Raptors get it together uh, when they get back home and and push this thing to six? I think they win. I, I don't. I don't think the Cavs are good enough to sweep them. Mm-hmm. I think they're better than what we've seen so far. Right. Um. So. No, yeah, I think. I, I mean, I think they're in better position to to win a couple of games than they were last year. And last year they won a couple of games. It's just right. a matter of. It seemed like game one, Cavs flipped a little bit of a switch more than they did in 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 the first round against Indiana. You know, like. I don't think they played more than thirty good minutes of basketball in in the Indiana series, right? Um, over you know in any particular game, and I think they had a little bit uh, more punch in Game One against the Raptors than we saw in any of the Indiana games. Does it make you guys nervous that they keep winning games without playing as well as they like that? There's yeah, they they can take it to another level here at some point throughout the course of these. I playoffs. told you, I told you last week, like that. Watching LeBron in that game three and four in Indianapolis last week, he was so calm. Yeah, and just did just enough to to get the wins. And uh, I I I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep Toronto. And I thought Toronto was going to be the team that was going to give them the most trouble in the Eastern Conference. But I feel like LeBron is completely locked in right now. Yeah, and and playing at a different level. Um, so I, I don't I don't know who who stops him on Toronto. Well, enjoy enjoy. Uh our favorite city north of the border, Shoe. Um, it's my home away from home. Might be the last time you, uh, might be the last time you see it this year. All right, I'll uh, I'll get some poutine for you guys. All right, bro. Appreciate it. Happy birthday. See you, man. Later. Appreciate it. Later. Always appreciate our main man John Schumann and the Schumann stat. A little trivia, a little chatter, a little birthday talk. Can't say enough about uh, the contributions he's made all season long here on the Hangtime Podcast. Uh, speaking of the season, Lang, the NBA awards. June 26th on TNT, hosted by your your main man, Drake. You guys are on first-round basis, right? You and Drizzy. Yep. Um, (laughs) Fans can vote, Lang, uh, on the NBA Awards at NBA.com forward slash NBA Awards. The categories, best style. I think Russell Westbrook thinks he's going to win that. I would argue against it. No, he should. Uh, No, I'd argue against that. Um, Who would you vote for? Not Russell Westbrook. Any dude who comes in looking like he looked during the playoffs with the – Taco meat hanging out at the top, you know, bandanas and all the craziness. I'm not voting for Russell Westbrook. I'm not. I know he's, I know he's lit, and all the kids think he's the fashion icon. I'm coming with the old man vote. He ain't getting my. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I need a dude who wears a suit to the post game press conference, or at least some semblance of a suit. <laughs> good um, luck. Good luck finding one. I have <laughs> nobody's dressing Chris like that. Chris Bosh, where are you when we need you? <laughs> um, the block of the year. Game winner of the year, assist of the year, dunk of the year, performance of the year. You can vote on all those things for the NBA Awards. June 26th, the show hosted by Drake on TNT. Blank, who do you think, just throw it out there now, who do you think wins game winner of the year? I'm trying to see if you remember a spectacular game winner. You, you're the you're captain Ori scale. Give me a game winner that sticks out that you remember from this season. I had to write a couple of Ori scales <laughs> this season. Oh, let's see. I'm TJ McConnell had a couple. He did. He had a he had one that was a little baseline jammy, jumper jammy. Um, what about Tyler Eulis? Shot yeah. he knocked down to beat Boston. Didn't Joe Johnson have a couple this year, or at least? Did he no. always have a couple? Seems like it. 
he had one in the playoffs, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Can, might... Well, I mean, I, I, that's something we got to check with John Hartson. Yeah. What's, the, what's the rule? Do you get to vote on things that go on during the playoffs for this award show, or is no. it just regular season There's like three, everything else? three candidates. Right, okay. Ali Ulysses, game winner against, I don't even know, Kyrie Irving's game Boston. winner. I'm looking now. This was Boston. Ulysses uh, had Warriors. to be Boston. I'm not sure we're allowed to vote in this thing. Yeah, maybe not. Ooh. But, yeah, it's Kyrie's <laughs> game winner me. on Christmas, right. Ulysses' game winner, and Russ's game winner to eliminate the Nuggets. Right. Well, those are three good ones. Yeah. Um, three good ones. I'm going to go with the rookie, though. I'm going to go ahead and give Tyler Ulysses the love. Give him a award show speech? Yes. Get up there and be like, listen, I want to shout out to all my haters anyway. Um, anyway, again, NBA Awards show June 26th on TNT, hosted by Drake. Make sure you, uh, as usual, subscribe on iTunes. Um, be sure to leave a glowing review. We got all of our uh, sound rocking now, so you get to listen to the crisp tones of One Lang Whitaker every week here on the Hangtime Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to our man Marcus Thompson for joining us. Appreciate him coming on talking about uh, Golden, his book on Steph Curry and his rise uh, to superstardom in the NBA. Marcus is a good friend of the program, obviously. Um, and, you know, he's going to have some top-flight Warriors coverage throughout the course of the playoffs, Bay Area News Group. And, uh, Lang, we'll be on the road at the end of this week uh, and curious to see where we find ourselves for the conference finals. I don't know if we're going to get the foregone conclusions we expected. I think the Rockets might be capable of pulling an upset on their side of the bracket and beating the Spurs. I really do. Um, We'll see. But uh, I think it could happen. So uh, we'll see you. Right here, next week on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.